you can get there without sacrificing your lifestyle so much unless your lifestyle is like, cool, I'm living on a yacht. I've been in Ibiza (laughs) since May and I'm pretty sure that my debt is now up to 200K. Then, you know, come home from Ibiza and you can DM me, but we'll figure (laughs) it out. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems Podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human being behind Big Kid Problems, Sarah Merrill. Now, I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about entering the adult world, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have Big Kid Problems. So each week, we will take a funny yet informative look at a specific Big Kid Problem, break it down with our roundtable panel, then have out an expert to help us solve our problem of the week. From love and relationships, career, money, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, and I'm here to learn you up a thing or two this week, all right? That's right. We're going back to school with BKP as we talk Investing 101. Wait, don't turn this off. Don't go anywhere. I know whenever I start to hear financial talk, my brain just goes straight into power saver mode, Uh, but that isn't this kind of episode. I have on the Mrs. Dow Jones, and for anybody who doesn't know, Mrs. Dow Jones is a YouTube channel and hilarious meme account run by Haley Sachs, which you know I'm all about that meme account life, Uh, but her memes are very specific and all about making finance fun. And I personally love her brand of humor because she explains finance and investing like using very relatable scenarios and like the Kardashians and other funny stuff um, to just make it easier to understand and easier for us all to get our shit together. So in this episode, we're going to talk about exactly where to start, some ways to tackle debt, some easy apps to use, and some crystal clear steps to take if you want to start compounding your money. And as Haley mentioned at the start of this episode, compounding is the fucking shit. Um, So if you're not already investing and making your money work for you, by the end of this episode, you will be able to start today. My early 20s people, I swear to God, you better listen to this one. It has the potential to really, really change your life. And for my slightly older, more financially mature audience, we've got tips for you too. We'll also talk about money and dating, who should pay on the first date, how to combine finances if you're moving in together or getting married, and just lots of other important stuff. So buckle in and get comfy, and we will be right back. All right, we're talking about the sexy topics of investing and finance this week. So what if I told you I have a little money-saving hack that also doubles as an investment in your health? I'm talking, of course, about Four Sigmatic. You've heard me talk about Four Sigmatic by now. They have delicious teas, coffees, hot chocolates, and elixirs that are all made with functional mushrooms. And that, of course, means that they are full of health benefits. They are full of antioxidants and have been known to boost immunity, energy, longevity, and just overall health, which 
If your lifestyle is anything like mine, I mean, like we can all use all the help we can get. Am I right? Uh, but there's another great feature to Four Sigmatic, and that is that they are cost effective and efficient. I was just on the road for 19 days bouncing all over the East Coast, and holy shit, a standard latte in New York City was like $8. $8. Who am I, Oprah? I'm sorry, but that shit adds up over time. And I was so happy I had a few of the Four Sigmatic travel packets with me so I could just mix it with hot water and go about my day for less than $2 a cup. I mean, that's just like good economics, guys. If you wanna try Four Sigmatic, I have a special offer just for our listeners. Go to foursigmatic.com slash big kid or use discount code big kid at checkout for 15% off. That's foursigmatic.com slash big kid or use discount code big kid at checkout. All right. Welcome back to the Big Kid Problems podcast. I am joined now by none other than the Mrs. Dow Jones, Haley Sachs. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Yes, thank you. I'm really pumped to have you because this is kind of an interesting subject, right? Like investing and like financial stuff is not always like the funnest topic. Mm -hmm. Maybe for you it is, but (laughs) some of us, I get like incredibly like intimidated by it. And I feel like your approach is so funny for anybody who doesn't know Mrs. Dow Jones. Um, you have like a, a meme account mm-hmm. uh, on Instagram. Any other platforms that you're on? I'm on YouTube. I'm on Twitter. Um, and yeah. And I have a clothing line that has very fun, like finance clothing, um, which sounds cooler than, which is cooler than it sounds. <laughs> yeah. You're actually wearing one of your shirts right yeah. now and I love it. It says Chase Boys with the Chase Bank symbol and I tie-dyed it. So that's fucking you genius. Could say I'm an artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Add that to your title. Um, but what's cool is, and I was watching some of your videos mm-hmm. on YouTube, but like you just explain finance in a really funny way. I love it. And you use like, you know, people that we all know and like situations and like, it's hilarious. So for anybody listening, you should obviously check it out. Yeah. I, I use the language of pop culture and of humor to break down those topics, mostly because I felt intimidated and I had no idea where to start. And so those were the analogies that work for me. Like as someone who has always been obsessed with keeping up with the Kardashians, I needed to keep up with the Dow Joneses. And so I sort of molded the two and made it um, fun, I guess, first and foremost for me. And then I guess other people liked it too, which is lucky. Yeah. When did you when did you start your account and like what even gave you this idea? Um so I started my account in 2017. Um I think I was before that I was always sort of learning how to like be myself and how to channel like what I cared about, but then I sort of figured out what I wanted to think about and I found my voice. So like you know, I wasn't, I always had a sense of humor and I'd worked in comedy actually. I never even worked in finance, but I think I never really knew what I wanted to say until I uh, latched on to finance. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. And um, it's funny that you don't have a finance background because like, I feel like you know your shit. Like, wh- like what is, how do you know all this info? Well, I always say that if I can do it, anyone can do it. So like, I feel like not 
having worked in a bank and, you know, spent my early adulthood slaving over Excel charts and actually like working more in, uh, entertainment served me well because I have no ego about it. And I think that a lot of what people are intimidated about with finance is that there is this facade and language and sort of attitude around it. And people think that if they don't embody that, Mm -hmm. then they aren't allowed to be part of it. But the truth is we're all going to make money and we're all going to have bills to pay and we're all going to want to retire at some point. And so just because what's been just because we've been disenfranchised to this up until this point with the information that we've been given doesn't mean that that has to write our future. 100%. Yeah. And I think that's so it's so crazy to me that like they don't teach the shit in school. It's really wild. It's it is wild. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, you come into the workforce and you start making money and then you kind of have to like figure it out on your own. Like unless you are in finance, like I know me personally, especially as like a female, like I just felt like I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't know if it's like traditionally like women are more intimidated by this stuff, but it just, it just like scared me. I'm like, I don't know what these terms mean. I'm hearing like Roth and like 401k. Like I just didn't know. And so like I was like information overload. And then for the longest time, just kept all my money in my bank account. Mm -hmm. And then like your money is not really working for you. Exactly. And I think actually like you're totally right. Like women are made to feel that way. I think that it is, does feel very masculine to um, be like financially empowered. That always has felt like something that is for the guy to do. And it's historically been a quality that isn't feminine. So like, that's totally not you at all. That's like everyone, that's me too. But I think that we all just need to be like more lighthearted about it because it's not like that big of a deal. And honestly, it's sort of like, you know, going on a diet or something like that, or even like having the the strength to like not text that guy back. Like it's the same thing for like sticking to your budget. Like you just have to have sort of a plan. Like, okay, I'm not texting him until Tuesday. We went on a date on Saturday (laughs) and you're going to get to Tuesday the same way that you're like not going to spend $300 over the weekend. If in your budget, you only put that you're going to spend 150, you know? So it just is like a mindfulness practice. I think more than anything. Totally. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm, this is awesome. And I, I really want anybody listening in this episode, wherever you are in your financial Mm -hmm. life, I want to give you some basics, some like, you know, investing 101, like how to even get started, how to get into the game in like a really easy way. Well, you were saying that a lot of your audience are people who are just graduating, which is such a scary place to be because they don't let you touch your student loans when you're in college and then you graduate and you're like, cool, I have a degree, but I also have a hundred thousand dollars in debt and it's growing because of the interest rates and I don't know what to do. So if that's you, don't freak out. There is totally a way out of it and you can get there without sacrificing your lifestyle so much unless your lifestyle is like, cool, I'm living on a yacht. I've been in Ibiza (laughs) since May and I'm pretty sure that my debt is now up to 200K. Then, you know, come home from Ibiza and you can DM me, but we'll figure (laughs) it out. But I like, I truly, I think that getting out of debt is like sort of fun. Like not fun, but like 
you like getting really in control of something that has been making you suffer is so empowering and like makes you just like have a spring in your step. Like instead of just like ignore, like so many people just ignore it. Like there's like, I have debt, but like whatever, I'm just going to like live paycheck to paycheck, like blah, blah, blah. But like the feeling that you have when you actually have an emergency account and a savings account and something bad happens to you, like say you lose your job, but you have yourself set up, like bad situations don't have as much power to ruin your life, which is great. Yeah. Um, But this is probably all pretty high level. Like I know that for me, when I started my financial journey, I would hear people talk like this and I was just like, cool, what is the first step? What do I do? I have debt. I have a job. I have no idea what I'm doing with my paycheck. I just put it in my checking account. And then like at the end of the month, I pay my credit card. So the first thing that I always tell people to do that is really annoying, but I'm actually in the middle of doing now for my business. Um, so I'm with you on it, but worth it is to make a budget. And like the best way really to make a budget is to go into like Excel and to take a look at your year of expenses. So like, I always say like, clear the day, like set the mood, like don't like, this is not something that you Ever, like you would not wish this on your worst enemy to do after Wednesday being in the office all day. Like you need like Saturday, 10 a.m., go get yourself a damn iced coffee, like maybe a bagel, like sit at your damn kitchen table, like light streaming in and like get excited about it. Like it's, you know, a lot of it is about the attitude that you bring and like it's... um it's important not to dread it too much because it's not going to be that bad. And it's actually like sort of funny. And like, I always think I, I like will make budgets with my friends, like go through their finances and it's hilarious. Like you're like, oh my God, that day I was wild. I got my hair highlighted. I was getting sushi for lunch. I took four Ubers and what? I went shopping? Like, okay, living my damn life. Like you're almost like proud of yourself. You're like, okay, cool. Like that was the past, but like, I'm happy that I had that experience. And then then when you sort of, when you have your, like your year of expenses, what you're supposed to do is average them out. So you know, like, okay, on average, I'm spending $600 a month on groceries or whatever. So you know that when you make your actual budget, that's how much money that you need every month for groceries. So you do that. Um, but the reason that you have to do it for a year is so you have like those weird yearly purchases, like the dentist or, you know, I don't know, like, laser hair removal if you only get it like, you know, for six months out of the year. So you really do need to go through all your finances. Yeah. And then, so you track all your expenses and your income and you have your whole year's worth of income and expense data. And then um, you make a plan for how you're going to make your expenses less than your income. And so after you take a first stab at sort of creating your budget, you make some adjustments and you make sure that you're in the black and not the red. Um, but I mean, the first step honestly is just to figure out like where your spending is going. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done that? I have. And it's always like shocking. And, but like are you, I'm looking at your gorgeous engagement ring. Like <laughs> I always wonder with couples, like, are you guys going to make a budget together? Like what is like the financial situation with you two? Like, I really want to work on a, a plan of like a sophisticated way of like, couples to budget together because it's so hard. Oh my gosh. Honestly, you should because it is, uh, we're trying like we, but we, we've just went through like our first year living together and our spending habits are so different. And honestly, I feel like, 
Like I am the super saver. Like I like didn't grow up with money. So I am like, I'm also like always in scarcity. <laughs> so I'm well, that's good. That's it's so Warren Buffett is. It's good, but it's like it also has its its downfalls, right? Because like, and then um my fiance is like always like he's such a spender and he's like money is meant to like have Which is fun, fun when you're dating him, but then when you're hundred percent yeah. and, and then like, when wait. it's your money, you're like Fuck, like, yeah. Put the card away. Like we're going to Trader Joe's. Oh, I know. Like we're yeah. we're getting ready to save for a wedding, and I am in like pincher mode. I'm like, I don't need to buy anything. Like yeah. I'm going to cook all my meals for I a love year. That. And he's like ordering. Like I'm seeing like all the shit coming to the house. I'm like, where do you think you can like buy like oh new sneakers? God. Like I'm like, we have a lot of shit to save. Um. So I actually think that that is like it can become a big point of contention in relationships. 100%. Financial compatibility, I think, is like as important as like sexual compatibility or like like friendship compatibility. Like it's such a thing. Damn. It's true. Oh, 100%. So do you have any advice or like, because I think the hardest part is talking about, like Mm -hmm. even just talking about it is hard. No, I'm like so open though. Like when I walked in and met you, I was like, so like blah, blah, blah. Like just, I'm, I'm pretty open about financial stuff, but I will share a personal experience, which is that I was dating this guy and he was really great. Like he was, um, like really following up a lot. Like, you know, when you like meet someone on like Hinge or Bumble or whatever, and you are like, oh, I caught a good one. Like, cause you've like, you have, everyone obviously has like a million bad dates from that. But then like once in a while you meet like some of them, you're like, oh wait, is this a real person? <laughs> yes. So he was like being a real person. So I was like, sick. Okay. I'll go on a date with you. So I went on a date with him the first date and we split it. And I was like, this is so weird, but like, let me give it another go. So then second date, go on the second date with him. By the way, in between first and second date, he's like texting all the time. Like it's clear he's very interested. So I'm like still interested too, but I'm like, you know, that's weird. Not that I need a guy to pay for me, but I do have like some things that I think are important. Like if you invite a girl out and the girl went to dry bar and got a manicure and like yeah. looking damn good, like put money into her, like, you know, getting there, then like fucking buy her a tequila soda. Yeah. It's like an insulting $30 to put on me. You know, like, I just think it's like not cool. So second date, he didn't pay either. And then the third date, because it was like, he was really like up in my grill, like texting me a lot, like clearly was like pursuing it. I was like, well, I should say something to him because if I don't, then like, like, it's just like it, either we have to be able to talk about it or cause it's bothering me or, or this is not going to work because yeah. like I'm open financially. So I just like blurted it out and then, oh my God, it went in the toilet. That Ugh. whole situation. But what happened? It was just like awkward and like he got really defensive. Like the hardest thing, but the most important thing is like to try not to get defensive. Yeah. Because then otherwise you'll never find any truth. So like he was so defensive. And so there was no way for me. Immediately I was like saying sorry and like apologizing. I said something, you know, but like it shouldn't have been like that. It should have been like you know, oh, that's just how I do it. And like, you know, like if if you're going to do something, then like have a reason for your actions. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but then when you're in the relationship, I'm all about like, you know, I'll get the Uber, you get the bagels in the morning or, you know, like this dinner. You know, like I like it to feel even, but I also never like to feel like cheap. Like I never like money to feel like weird or have mm-hmm. like tension around it. And totally. like on the first date when you're like, 
okay, I guess I should take my card out. Like that just is like a moment that you're like, oh God, this is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I never, I mean, this is probably going to like trigger some people listening. Does that like, happen to you? No, it, I just never even offer on the first date. No, that's what my friend said. You know, my friend Pete said, she was like, Actually, that's not true. I feel like I go for the reach. Mm-hmm. That's what but I do. like. I do the. I do like I a joke really reach. take my time. Yeah, I really take my time. Hundred <laughs> percent. That was me. And then he let me take my damn time. And oh, fucking no. reach. I was like, okay. My friend Kate was like, "Why'd you bring your credit card?" I was like, "That's psycho." Like, what if I like wanted a pizza pizza on the way home or something? Like, I need like have a little bit of money on me. But she was like, "No, like don't even bring it." Yeah. So crazy though. I just kind of agree with you. Like I, I but it was never going to work. It yeah. was never going to work with him because, uh, because of that, like, and because of how he reacted, like it had nothing to do with the money. It was just like, cool. Like we are not financially compatible at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. I mean, when you think about like wage gap, I mean, it is real. Like, and then, uh, you know, you, oh, yeah, a hundred percent. It's also like, yeah, I'm only, you know, maybe in, you know, 80 years, I'll be making equal to you, but it's like, for now it's not. So like that actually, that $30 tequila soda is really costing me like what, $60 or something to yeah. $30. Like, I don't know if guys really like understand that. <laughs> That's like an amazing thing to bring out on a first date though. Like, sorry, um, there's a wage gap. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally like <laughs> prorate this. Um, I love it. And not to get too off topic, because I do want to get back to the investing, yeah. but um, like, what do you think about like couples who maybe like make different amounts of money? And when it comes to like actual, like, you know, because you said when you get more into a relationship, splitting everything, like I'm in the same way, like yeah. you kind of, especially when you live together, I feel like expenses, like, yeah, we're in the same apartment, like we should split 50, 50. But what do you think in terms of like, if somebody is like making like way more money than the other person, like, would you prorate it? Like, how do you even? I think that it's different for every couple. I think that there are situations where both in order for like both ends of the couple to feel comfortable in the relationship, they have to have it be 50-50. I'm not one of those people. If I was dating like a Saudi prince and he was like, (laughs) you know, freaking loaded and I was living with him, I would be like, fuck no, I'm not paying for shit. Like the money that I make is my money and like your family's billions are our money, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. but if I was dating someone who was like making sort of the same amount as me around that, then yeah, I would try and contribute as much as I felt comfortable with. But also I think that it is important to remember like the wage gap and also like think about your relationship specifically. Like, does it make you feel any sort of way that you are, that you split 50, 50 with your fiance? Like, do you wish that he was like, babe, I've got this. Like, you aren't my princess. I mean, in a dream scenario, yeah, that'd Mm -hmm. be wonderful if I never even had to, like, touch my money, (laughs) you know? But obviously, I mean, let's be realistic. It's 2019. Like, I feel like we both are, we're going to be more of, like, a dual income family. Yeah. I don't really mind the 50-50 splitting of all of our expenses, I just think maybe like, and then in terms of other things, like, and then he does do this is like, he picks up more of our frivolous things. Mm-hmm. Like I'm cool with that. Cause we, we're, we're obviously in this together. And I think like splitting everything is okay. And if he can kind of take some of those other like frivolous expenses away, like, okay, well, I'm going to get these dinners mm-hmm. and I'm going to, you know, pick up our seamless bill. Or if we need a cleaning lady, like I'm going to pay for that. Like some different extra things just because like, yeah, like I make 
less. And my expenses are higher because I have to get highlights. Exactly. There is actually like a female and they look amazing by the way, but there is like all the money you've to spend on yourself too, which guys don't have to spend money on. Like being a guy is just cheaper. But what a lot of couples do is that they will get a joint credit card and then use that for all their joint expenses. And then I don't know how it would work out at the end of the month splitting it. But maybe you do like a 60-40 or like, a, I don't know. That seems a little bit mathematical in my mind. Like you got to keep the romance alive a little. And like yeah. there is something nice about going out to dinner and like having the guy pay for you. As I said, like, I mean, for yeah. state vibes. But I mean, and I'm such a feminist and like, I really am like building an empire, like want to have my own money, like, and want to like create jobs and like, you know, work forever. But in the same way, like, I think there is something nice about just having someone take you out. Totally. And like not making money weird. I know. I, I do think too, like in a longer term relationship, I feel bad for the guy. Like if he, you yeah. shouldn't have to cover every dinner. You shouldn't have to do that. And and I obviously like I try and like input, you know, as much as I can, but I, it does, I think, become a point of contention in relationships because like if one person's paying for more. But I think it's also like you have to do what you're comfortable with. Like if you're dating someone who wants to go to Nobu three times a week and that's not in your budget, but they want to go with you, then they should pay for you to go to Nobu because that's not something that you can do, but they yes. want to spend time with you. Okay, so fine. Like that's the, that's like, if if they're living their life a certain way and they want you to be part of their life, then they should pay for you to be part of their life. Right. But if you guys are sort of equal, then I think that there's like really nice things that you can do to show each other that like, what's mine is yours. I'm generous, blah, blah, blah. But I think that like, it's a bit easier to make it even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like one other thing I did here that I think is helpful and I might actually implement this in my relationship is like kind of what you were saying is like getting a joint credit card. Mm -hmm. We were going to like get a joint like bank account and like each put, you know, a certain amount of money per month so that we have like that to go towards our expenses. Yeah. You should do that. Yeah. Especially if you're like, I mean, do you think that you'll combine finances when you get married? <sighs> TBD. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll have to. Yes. We'll, we'll see. I mean, that that's, it's so hard, Down you guys. Line, like, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's very tough. It's tough. And like, you, you don't really think about these, these conversations when you're like just getting engaged, you're mm-hmm. like, I'm so excited about all the other things. Yeah. And then you're like, wait, we have to actually have some like real combos. It's a big that, kid like, problem. It is a big, big kid problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Okay. I think that's like such an interesting topic. And we could talk about like couples and finance forever, probably for the next like yeah. eight hours. Um, but while I have you, yes. I definitely want to go back to investing. investing. And I loved where you were leading with like, okay, this is where you start. Cause that's mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like you said, a lot of people like hear these conversations and they're like, okay, but like, what the fuck can I do? So yeah. So once you actually have a budget that you can stick to, which might take like a little bit of finessing, like there's one thing that I've learned, budgets do not happen overnight. You really like have to take time with it, be patient with yourself, create time in your schedule to do this because it's not just a one and done thing. And like that Saturday that I was talking about when you're on the kitchen table and you're doing all your finances, you'll maybe have the stamina to last for like two or three hours. And like, that's okay because I don't want you to to like grin and bear it and do it for 10 hours straight because then you'll hate it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think people hate like doing all this stuff is because they maybe like go too hard when they do do it. Like just keep it easy, keep it like nice and, you know, try and try not to burn out. But yeah, so once you actually have a budget you can stick to and you paid off all your debt, which is 
There's some really great ways to pay off debt that I don't think we have time to go into now, but there's a method called the debt snowball that I really like. And if you DM me, I can totally uh, point you in the direction of debt payoff things that have been really helpful for me. Um, So once you paid off all your debt and you've saved an emergency fund and you have... um, I should get you back since you like a debt episode. Yeah, debt is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, did you ever pay off a lot of debt? I was lucky I got scholarships through school. Oh, amazing. So I didn't have any debt, but I've just seen it destroy some of my friends financially. Really? Like still? Yeah. Like we're in our thirties and they're still paying off student loans. That is really, really crazy. And they're payments are high. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't imagine like tacking on a $600 fee to my life every month. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. And but there's ways to like take care of it and to, to get in control. Like there's, I really like the method of like doing like one year of like really intense debt payoff, like, mm. and almost gamifying it, like making it something that like you're proud of and people know that you're doing and like that you're like really owning up to, because I think that a lot of the reason that we got into debt is because we're like trying to keep up with the Joneses, not with the Dow Joneses, but with the Joneses <laughs> and like buying things that we can't afford just like to feel like we are part of our friend group or this or that. And like, you'll just never get out of debt if you're spending like that. Yeah. So you sort of do have to like cut back on your life a little bit, but I think it's okay because in the process, you'll learn so much and your real friends will be there for you. But anyways, so what you're supposed to do with your budget is you do 50% or if you want to do this method, it's a 50, 30, 20 method. So you do 50% of your income goes to your needs and then, um, which is like all the things that are like non-negotiable, your rent, your electric, whatever, all that. And then 30% goes to your wants and then 20% of your income goes to savings and obviously debt repayment. So the moment that you paid off your debt and you have your emergency fund, and then you start to have savings, then you can think about investing. So 20% of your income, is that before or after taxes? That is after taxes. Gotcha. You have to figure out your after tax um, income. And you also have to figure out like if you have automatic deductions for 401k, which I strongly recommend. Because I strongly recommend. Do it automatically so that you don't even see the money. And then like, you know, if you really are in a situation where you have so... Like a lot of times what I see... Mrs. Dad Jones is that the moment that people start to like budget or like really think about how much debt they have, they realize, well, I really need a raise or I really need a new job or I need a side gig, which is good. Like you should think that like women, especially like ask for raises because we're not doing it enough and you're missing out on money. You should literally always be like figuring out like, when am I getting a raise? Mm -hmm. Ask for a raise literally today. Yeah. So then you can literally automate your, like savings is the easy part. And then investing is sort of the easy part too, because investing, unless you want to be like a day trader, freaking Gordon Gecko, like, (laughs) you know, like up all night with China, like trying to like, you know, trade sugar futures, like you can really automate your investing as well and put your money into funds that will grow at a decent rate every year. And by the time that you retire, will you know, have gone up a lot in value. I think that we're always trying to look for a get rich quick scheme. And, but 
I understand that. But like not every person in the world is going to be able to get rich quick. So like you just have to sort of like know your lane and stick to it and be like, "Mm, I think I just want to go like the less risky route rather than like investing in my friend's brother's startup. And like, but if it it becomes the next Apple, then I'm going to be a billionaire. Like, no, just like literally put your money into like ETFs or like into a mutual fund and you'll see... um, you'll see it grow over time in a way that is like reliable and doesn't cause you anxiety. Because I think there's like a lot of different uh, personality types and a lot of them are too anxious to do the other ways. Yeah. Um, Do you have a favorite, like, do you have a favorite fund that you um, automatically put money into? So I actually can't say anything specifically. I can give advice, but you know, the SEC will come get me. Oh, okay. um, Got you. Um, yeah, but there's, I mean, you really can't go wrong with ETFs and there's bond ETFs, there's industry ETFs, there's commodities, currencies, inverses. I mean, if I say what I do, will I get in trouble? No. Okay. Just because if anybody's listening. And you and might like, not, you might, I might not get in trouble if I say it, but I just, just like. Just be careful. I am always so careful. Totally yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. Because people ask me like, do you have any trading tips? And I'm yeah, like, you're like, okay, cool. Like I'm not no. answering that. Yeah. yeah. Smart. Well, I'll tell you guys, because I am not a financial person, but this is just, this is the first fund I got into. It's a very, very, very low risk um, mutual fund that I put, I think I put a, in every month automatically since I was 23. That's amazing. Um, It is amazing because I don't even think about it. Like $300 you think might seem high depending on whatever it is that you're doing, but it's like, That's it's nothing. like a wild Saturday. Like it's like going to brunch yeah, and that's like, like literally yoga just being, pants. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, like, or not really, but it's no, a couple, it it's just a couple little things that you cut out of your monthly expenses. And I've been doing it. And like, I've had friends that make much higher salaries than I do. And I have a much higher nest egg because I've been doing that. And the the fund that I invest in is Vanguard. Oh, um, so do you, you don't use Betterman or Wealthfront, you use Vanguard. I have a few different ones, but that is just like my very basic. The first thing I ever put money into was a Vanguard because I heard it was the safest. Yeah, Vanguard is so safe. That's like a great place to start. Yeah, and like low fees and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. So, and actually, let me just like backtrack for one second. So, I didn't always start at 300. I just don't want to discourage anybody who might be like, that seems impossible. Like, if you, if you're not sure what you can afford, like, start at $50 a month. Like, I think I started really, really low and just kind of casually built my way up. Like, if you start at $50 a month, putting that into a Vanguard or whatever it is that you want to put it into, leave it in there, you know, maybe start really low. And then when you realize that, wow, I don't really feel that at all, um, you can up it, then up it to $100 a month and then, you know, give yourself a few months there and you'll, kind of realize, wait, I still don't really feel that at all. And you can just casually increase the amount you're putting away um, to where you feel comfortable. You don't have to start at any specific amount. I just want to like make that clear. That's just my, that's what I'm doing. I am not And it automatically goes, right? Yeah, it automatically. No, you're I not giving advice. You're literally just saying what you do. Yeah. Um, the, the, I love that. Vanguard's amazing. Yeah, as I said, Betterment. Um, Wealthfront. I'm not endorsing any of these places, but if you're looking for for platforms to use, like for brokers that are just robo advisors that really make use of ETFs in their investment products, I know that Betterman and Wealthfront do that. 
Acorn is a great app too that will take like a percent, uh, like we'll round up on the dollar of things that you buy and then put that money towards investing. And I, they, I think also do funds. I'm not as familiar with them, but there's basically what I would want you to get from this podcast is like first get to the point where you can invest. Like, like let's deal with, let's, we'll do like a different episode where you can, where we can talk all about like the, like different ways that you like Bitcoin and all that stuff. But it's like, first things first, like make a budget. Let's try and get through that debt. Like truly, there are so many amazing resources to pay off debt. It's not that hard. I'm telling you, like you're probably feeling so intimidated by how much debt you have. It probably haunts you and it seems so scary. And then like maybe you even spend more as like a rebellion against it. Like, trust me, I have mental health issues as well. But (laughs) I don't know if you can tell, but there's so many ways to to get around it. You'll feel so proud of yourself by taking control of it. And so first do that, then get your emergency fund totally done, which should have four months of expenses, maybe even five, totally all, everything paid. So like, say you lose your job, you can say, okay, thanks Brian for the awesome opportunity and know that you have five months to go find your next job and you have a huge security blanket versus being like, oh my God, how am I going to pay for everything? Because living paycheck to paycheck is like literally so volatile. Yeah. So once you do all of that, then you'll have the ability to start investing. And like you rightfully said, there's awesome places to start that feel pretty safe, like Vanguard and, um, you know, these automated robo-investors where you don't have to worry about it. Basically, you say like, you do not have to be a stock market genius. Right. You don't have to like watch CNBC in your free time. You don't have to like, you know, get a Patagonia vest and Gucci loafers and like go hang out on Wall Street after work. (laughs) Like it's like, there's ways to be like, financially really savvy without having it take over your whole life and also like still being cute. Like this doesn't, (laughs) you know, like this can be a part of who you are, but not who you are. Yeah. Can you talk really quickly about compounding interest? Oh, compounding is my fucking shit. My too. Oh my God. Literally obsessed with compounding. Well, you know that like my, um, I lost my virgin need to Warren Buffett. (laughs) (laughs) no but i have a book club called mrs dow jones mdj reads and the first the first month that we had it it was literally just me and my intern and we read brown rules by um which are like all of warren buffett's investor letters and it's like a 400 page book i wouldn't I would never put it actually in book club because it was very um, dense. But the whole book was basically just like pages and pages and pages about how fucking awesome compounding interest is. So by the end of it, we were just like, okay, I guess like this is really important and basically has been his whole investment strategy. So if you want to make money like Warren, then you better find some funds that compound. Um, but yeah, compounding interest. I actually have a great video on it on my YouTube channel um, because I think that it's easier to see with like some visuals what it is, but I'll explain it also. Yeah. I'll link that video in show notes yeah, to yeah, you guys yeah. if you want to, if you want to check it out. Um, yeah. There's some good uh, education on there, but yeah, it's the addition of interest to the to the sum of your deposit. So like basically you're earning interest on interest. So like so like if I am investing $5 this year and then I make $2 in interest, the next year I'm going to be investing $7 instead of 
just keep earning on the $5 that I initially invested. So the um, deposit or like the amount that you're actually going to be earning interest on grows every year. And so then you're taking interest on the amount that has interest added to it. So it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger so that by the time that you retire, you can move to Boca. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the big thing, guys, is that if you have just your money all sitting in a bank account, it's not doing anything for you because it's not growing off of that interest. So if you are taking a percentage of the money that's in your bank account and putting it into some investments like a Vanguard, like some of these other investments, it's going to grow over time because mm-hmm. it's accruing interest. So obviously you don't want to do that with all of your money because that's risky. And like you said, you need a cushion, but you want to start compounding as early as you can because uh, like you said, over time, it just grows and grows and grows. And like, I think there's like a chart. I'm going to try and find it and put it in show notes too. That's like blew my mind when I saw it. And it Mm -hmm. was just like, it showed somebody who started investing. You Uh, need to see the visual because it's like, it really just makes it crystal clear. Yeah. We're going to include that visual because it is, it's so important, but it just shows the difference of somebody who starts investing like or or investing the same amount at 20 versus starting at 30. And it's like by the time you're 60, it's like millions of dollars in difference. Mm -hmm. If it's just the same amount of money. So for anybody listening who's like in your early 20s who may not think that you have the ability to start doing this, I encourage you to cut back on like one brunch a month and Mm -hmm. like put that money into investing and just because it will compound. Yeah, a hundred percent. Bring uh, okay, so we talked about like some like easy low risk investments. Mm-hmm. Let's say because we do have audi- you know people in our audience who are a little bit older, who are in their late twenties, thirties, forties, what have you. Um, if you wanted to get into some like higher risk investing, what are some, like I use Robinhood personally. Personally, yeah, Robinhood's amazing. Yeah, Robin is a really good app. So you're saying that you. Like you have automated investments and then you also like to sort of play around. Like you're like, oh, like, yeah, but you're sophisticated. You know what I mean? I'm really not. But you, but you're, well, you, you've had, you have some sort of like financial background, not background that you worked in finance, but like that you know enough that like your mom taught you to, you know, like Robinhood's great if you're like, oh, I want to invest in like weed stocks or, you know, like I'm interested in like this, uh, you know, up and coming vertical. But there's also basically I'm just trying to discourage people from thinking that they have to be active. Like I want this to feel like like something that's like so like not on your mind. It will happen automatically. But if you are someone who does have that urge to you know, really follow the markets and, you know, play with your money, which is fun and you can have a lot of success in, then Robinhood is amazing. Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of fun. Like yeah. if you, if you are in a position where you find yourself with like a couple of some, a little bit of extra coin, like I, you know, one, this was a couple of years ago when I had a, a much better paying job than big kid problems. Um, but I had, I made, I had a good year and I realized I had a couple extra thousand dollars to play with. Amazing. And like a friend of mine was in a, a similar position. She bought a Chanel bag. It was beautiful. I took that money and I opened up Robinhood and I'm like, what are some companies I just want to like put a little bit of money into? I put it in Facebook. Whoa. I put it in Netflix. Amazing. But it's really easy. Like it's just you, you being open- like, I don't know about finance, but like that instinct is fucking dope. Like that's amazing. Like not, obviously I'm all for like an amazing Chanel bag, but like, that's really <laughs> cool that you did that. Well, that's the thing is cause like I didn't grow up with money. So like 
I am always like, I always just want to be okay financially. And like the idea of a Chanel bag to me is like, I can't even do it. Like mm-hmm. I just like, it just would not feel Wouldn't right work for you. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny you say I'm sophisticated, but literally guys, like I learned everything I know from my mother who was in the school system, who made a very low salary. But those are the people who really like life. are probably like the best with money because they have to be. Yeah. Like and if she, your mom- she literally started saving in her twenties and now she's about to retire and she's golden. Yeah. She's golden. And she's probably like amazing keeping a budget, like has no FOMO, like literally is just like so happy in her life, knows exactly what her life is. Like you have to be realistic with who you actually are. Like look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I someone who really can go to Mykonos this summer? (laughs) And if you're in Mykonos and you're looking at yourself and you're thinking, I don't know, I work in PR. I make like 60K a year. Like maybe not the best idea to spend 5K on this vacation. Then it's not, it's okay. Enjoy your time. But when you get back, like try and have a conversation with yourself because you either have to... um, you either have to change your job or you have to change your life. Yeah. That's great. I think that's great advice. Like being realistic. Be realistic about who you are. Yeah. About where you're going. Like you're a mom. Realistic. I'm a school teacher. Okay. I need to save. I'm sure she, you guys didn't live frivolously. Not you, at all. Exactly. It sounds like it, but it's like, that's good. Like it wasn't as though like she was like taking on debt to, as I said, keep up with the Joneses. Like she knew exactly who she was. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. You have to be realistic. Right. Um, but I think that's really cool that you would um, use that money to invest. Yeah. And it's like worked out. I mean, that was a couple of years ago. And then like, like you said, I like that. I don't think about it. Like I just put, like I had an extra like five grand. I put it into a couple of things that I liked. Mm-hmm. Some made money, some didn't. But like at the end of the day, like I'm going to leave it in there. I like looking at it sometimes, but I'm going to leave it in there for like the next, you know, however many years, yeah. not take it out. And then that whatever $5,000 Initial investment might be fifteen thousand. It might be twenty thousand. Yeah, you know, and that's all the same money. Practice too, because it like you in that moment like made the decision to save and to invest rather than to spend. Which, by the way, I recently came into a little bit of money, and instead I bought something. Which (laughs) when you said that, I was like, shoot, I'm really (laughs) just eating my own words here. But you know, you can't be perfect. No. and like treat and yourself my, sometimes. Like I'm, I'm a little extreme, and like yeah, you are. I can tell. I like, am a little extreme, and like it's annoying. Like my boyfriend's like, okay, like buy yourself like new yoga pants. Like <sighs> you, you know, like it's yeah. There's a happy medium. Yeah, like with I feel like with Mrs. Dow Jones, I'm always trying to like get to the happy medium because like I love like luxury stuff. Like I love a beautiful handbag. I love like an amazing meal. Like you know, like I can I can do that, but I'm also like someone who will like literally make their own food for um, like all all the other days that they're going to go have that. And like, basically it's like the difference between like having a oh, back to food. It's like ba- the difference between like if you're dieting, like, and then like at night you keep like binging on food that's like gross. Like you're like going to like Dwayne Reed and getting like skinny pop or something that like isn't even that good and ruining your diet versus Wait, skinny pop, not health food. No, <laughs> no I could like literally eat the whole bag. Yeah. But I'm saying like you could go shovel the whole bag of skinny pop in every night and like ruin your diet or you can save up and actually go at the end of the week and like take yourself to a nice meal and really enjoy it and feel like you earned it. Yeah. Um, so it's like not doing like those junk food purchases and like waiting till you're like at the nice restaurant to really, you know, mm-hmm. enjoy your life. Cause it's not about not enjoying your life. It's just about being realistic with what is the life that I am allowed to enjoy. 100%. Yeah. Well, I am so glad we got you here today. Yeah. Um, 
before we wrap this up, is there any other like little tidbits or anything else, maybe like a book you read or something that like helped you like learn about finance? Well, not to, I'm like not even plugging myself because I'm like, follow me, but like literally I just have all the information on my website on mrsdowjones.com. So that's MRS, like I'm married to the Dow. And I have <laughs> um, all the pics from my book club, which I... Last month, we read Own It, which was so good. It was by Sally Krawcheck. It was all about just how to freaking be the biggest boss ever in your career. I see on the table over there, you have Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. I talked to him two months ago Ooh. for a book club. He's amazing. So I'm I was about to read it. I haven't read it yet. You'll love it. It's so good. But so good negotiating book. Negotiating is so important and like just teaches you really good like email tactics. Like I'm all about information that you can really apply day to day. So yeah, I love all the books for that. And then right now I'm actually working on my own budgeting, like get out of debt program. So that's one of the reasons that I'm so deep into all of this is that I've been reading like a motherfucker, just like (laughs) the whole canon of finance books. So wait and see. And I will be coming out with something cool that I think will help all of us. Um, That's Awesome. And then YouTube dot because not even just my channel, but just if you have questions about finance stuff. Actually, the finance YouTube is very dark. That's sort of why I'm doing what I'm doing. But um, and if you have any questions, obviously DM me, email me. I'm so open and love talking about this stuff and I'm excited if anyone's interested in it. Awesome. <laughs> but I you should be. A, yeah, you're such a good resource. Oh, and and like your YouTube videos are funny. Like I, I love like, it. Love yeah, I feel like I was not funny in our podcast, but like no. this is like soulful. No, this is great. And I think it was it's like, like digestible because that's the whole thing is like with fi- with any finance stuff or like investing stuff it can be really heavy and like we just want to make this like digestible for anybody I just listening. want people to feel like oh I can I can start yeah you know and like the ways to understand the things can be really funny and entertaining but then the day it's like it's you know you have to have a conversation with yourself and figure out like you know what's going on and like are you ready to actually take this step yeah because no one can do it for you right Big thing. Yes. 100%. Big kid problems. Big kid problems. Big kid solutions. Well, Haley, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. I'm glad that I was able to do this. Yes. And we'll keep you all your stuff linked in show notes so you can find more of the Mrs. Dow Jones. Fabulous. Thank you. Thanks. All right, that is a wrap on our episode this week. I hope you enjoyed it, maybe found some value. And if you want more from our guests or want to find some of the tools and resources we talked about on this episode, I encourage you to check out our show notes. I have everything there and listed for you, so make sure to check that out. On our show notes, you may have noticed this, but I have a link to the Big Kid Problems Amazon list, and every book and product we talk about on this podcast goes right into that list. So if you ever hear about a book or something mentioned on this pod and you're like, damn, I can't remember the name, or if you're just looking for some good reads, check out that list. Um, And especially if one of our experts mentioned a book on here, I mean, there's a pretty big chance that it's a damn good book. So good resource for you as well. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on the gram at Big Kid Problems or on my personal at Sarah A. Merrill underscore. So hit me up, shoot me a DM. I love hearing from you guys. And if you want to screenshot this episode, post it to your Instagram story and tag me, I would so, so appreciate it. And I may repost you. Finally, if you are 
liking this podcast, please, please make sure to rate and review it. It makes a huge difference and I would be eternally grateful. I know there are a million ways you could spend your hour, so just know that I take your time seriously and I am so thankful to have you spend it with me. So thank you again and I hope to see you back here next week for a brand new episode. Until then, see you next Tuesday. Thank you.